How I love your word, how it lights my path, how it guides my way. And I just want to tell you three things. I want to point out three things really quickly from that story that we've just told about Paul and the people who hated him, the people who were after him, and um, the fact that he was all he was trying to do with his life was to tell people about Jesus, to share the good news, and to release God's love into the world. And I want to say something this afternoon about, number one, the power of testimony. Number two the pain of being misunderstood, and number three, about the madness of crowds, okay? The power of testimony, the pain of being misunderstood, and the madness of crowds. See if you can follow on what I want to say about each one of these very quickly. First of all, did you know people of God? I think you do know, but the power that testimony has to encourage people is a weapon of your warfare in the world that we live in with the enemy who seeks to come against us and oppress us. Did you know that? Your testimony is powerful. We were given opportunity right at the beginning to share testimonies about the things that God's been doing in our lives during this week maybe or during the last few weeks testimony when Paul was sharing with the elders over here. Notice how testimony made them explode with joy and praise and thanking God because Paul was saying, this is what God has been doing with me. Testimony and sharing what God is doing with us breaks the heavy yoke because you know there is so much heaviness around in our world today, isn't there? There is so much heaviness in our society. There probably always has been, but I think we feel especially aware of it in these days. There's heaviness in the church. There's heaviness in our personal lives. And did you know that that heaviness, it comes from the enemy? It comes from Satan who wants you to live under a cloud, who wants you to live under a weight of pressure and discouragement and depression and hopelessness. But we have this weapon against the enemy in our testimony. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says that the believers overcame the enemy's tactics against them by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and because they didn't love their lives even unto death. And we've got to take hold of that. I want to just exhort us this afternoon and say to us, people of God, take hold of your testimony. Not just the big stories that you think you've got to tell, but the little stories too. We must tell our stories. We must not think that our stories don't matter. They are stories of the works of God. They may not be anything like as powerful and as big and as dramatic as Paul's stories that he was telling about preaching to crowds and crowds of people and seeing them come to know Jesus. Maybe they're not those stories, but they are stories that can carry power. Even the things that we think are small in our lives, where God has been at work, it breaks the heavy yoke. It is a weapon against discouragement. And I want to challenge us here today and say, you know what, if you know people who are discouraged right now, then think about what the Lord wants you to share with them of the goodness of God in your life, that you can share with grace and with sensitivity and with love the goodness of God into their life because it will break in to all of that discouragement and help lift our spirits. And we need to do it 
And we need to be disciplined to do it as much as we can. You know, I was thinking maybe some of us think, well, I haven't got any stories of what God's doing with me. I don't have any testimonies to tell this week. But I just want to challenge us. However discouraged we're feeling, there is always something you can be grateful to God for. There's always something to give thanks for. And that is the beginning of testimony. So even if it's just as simple as the fact that you woke up this morning and you are still alive and you are breathing and you've got another day ahead of you and you've got an opportunity ahead of you to serve God, that is a testimony. Start with that and start breathing it out, talking it out, and we're going to find the heaviness lifting. Number two, that was number one, the power of testimony. Number two, the pain of being misunderstood. You know, I was so struck when I read this story today, when I was preparing for today, about how Paul did everything he possibly could, didn't he, not to offend the religious leaders, not to offend those Jews from Asia or any of the Jewish people, in fact. You know, he had everything in place. You could not fault him for being, um, you know, thoughtless or careless about this. He got the elders. Remember, he starts off with the elders. He gets the elders. He talks and shares with them. He listens to them. They're praying prayerfully. They give him some really wise advice. He follows that really wise advice from the elders of the church. He does everything to the letter by getting these guys who were um, taking a vow and kind of demonstrating to people, look, I honor the Jewish customs. I am not offending the Jews deliberately and their customs, and I'm going to partake of them myself. You know, he took that vow of purification for himself before he continued in his public ministry. He was waiting until those days had played out so that he was ready to be going in and out of the temple in that way. And yet, even though he did everything he could to follow um, the, um, the letters of the law, they still jumped to conclusions about him. They took one look at him and they thought, oh, it's that Paul. We know what he's like. And they presumed things about him. And they believed rumors that they'd heard without checking their facts. And they judged him according to their stereotype that they had about who he was. And I wonder how many of us here have ever had that experience in our lives. You know, has anybody ever done that to you? Jumped to conclusions about you? Anybody presumed things about you without checking? Believed rumors even about you that are not true? Judged you because they see you in a kind of a stereotype? Probably lots of us have had those experiences. And you know what? It can be incredibly painful, can't it? If you've been through that, it can make you feel hurt. It can make you feel angry. It can make you feel resentful. And interestingly... When we have those kinds of experiences, sometimes it can actually provoke us to behave in the same kind of way back towards the people who have offended us. Have you noticed that? You know, we jump to conclusions about them because they've misunderstood us. We write them off because they misunderstood us. I was thinking back to a time when I was at university 
And actually, I was often, as a Christian in my Christian faith, I was often misrepresented, not by my non-Christian friends, actually. They kind of understood me a bit better in many ways, but by some of the other Christians that were around me at the time, because in the context that I was in, I was one of the only charismatic Christians, people who believe in the work and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I was one of the only ones around. There were not very many of us. And there were lots of other people who had very different beliefs about the Holy Spirit and what he does and how he works in our lives. And I could tell you probably a really quite a long list of stories when I was thinking back over them of being, you know, sometimes badly treated by people or humiliated by people in that context. And, um, and I'll be honest with you that there was a time when my heart grew really hard about it and towards people from a certain kind of Christian camp. And I felt really um, hard towards them. But then in the midst of those years, there was a day when I got an opportunity through a friend of mine to go and to serve at a particular event that happened every year at that time. It was an event called Word Alive, um, which was kind of the uh, conservative Christian um, um, festival at Easter time, which was sort of an alternative to Spring Harvest. It was the alternative which was much more kind of Bible-based and um, much less Holy Spirit kind of emphasis. And a friend of mine invited me to come and work with the student team there. And uh, so I I really prayed about it, and I did. And I actually ended up going back and serving on that team for seven years in a row because the Lord really challenged me in that experience that maybe I actually had a message to share with these people. And I felt the Lord was challenging me and saying, you know, Debbie, if you will love these people who think really differently from you and who often talk to you in a very difficult and demeaning way, they misunderstand you, they misrepresent you. But if you will see through all of that and love them and see them how I see them, then maybe there's an opportunity for the message that you carry from me to actually be released and to bless some people in that context. And I remember there were lots of times over those years when that did happen but there's one guy particularly I was remembering where I sat down with him and I listened to his story and he had a big story of all the hurt that he'd experienced in some kind of charismatic circles that he'd been in and how all of that hurt had led him to this place of his theological conviction um, and uh, this place of shutting down to the Holy Spirit and actually as I listened to him I could just hear you know what he just needs inner healing he needs healing of the Spirit in his life and if he would let the Holy Spirit in so much of his pressure and difficulty with his life would just melt away and you know I was able to share a bit with him and he opened his heart up just a little bit just a crack to the things that I was saying and the things that I was encouraging him with but I remember going away from that conversation and thinking I only got that hearing because I'd been exposed to those kinds of contexts because I'd gone through and lived and walked in those kind of contexts because I'd borne that feeling of being misunderstood and being misjudged by people. That's how I got the opportunity to share with him. And you know, Paul in the story, he kept on loving those Jewish people and he just kept on telling his story to them as much as they would hear it because he knew, didn't he, that himself, he had been one of them. He'd been just like them once And somebody didn't close his heart to him. Ananias didn't close his heart to him. Write him off and say, oh, you're just like all those others who treat us badly. No, he opened his heart and he then was able to receive the grace of God 
into his life. And, you know, I was thinking maybe some of us, we've allowed bitterness to kind of get inside our hearts because maybe we felt repeatedly misunderstood. We felt repeatedly misjudged and we've allowed it to harden our hearts. And I really felt that even right now this afternoon, I felt that Jesus was saying to some of us, if that's you, then I want to just come by my Holy Spirit and cleanse and soften and heal where you've had that experience so that you can be like Paul, so that you can bear it when people don't understand you and you can be confident, well, Jesus knows the truth about my life. That's how we've got to live, confident. Jesus knows the truth about my life and who I am and I'm just going to keep on releasing his story, his love to others. Third thing, the madness of crowds, the power of testimony, the pain of being misunderstood, but also the madness of crowds. And I've borrowed that point from the title of a book. It's a secular book um, written by a guy called Douglas Murray. He's not a Christian, but he talks about the kind of crazy power that crowds of people, lots of voices together can have. And I want us just to think about the words in the reading that we had in my, in my other version of the Bible when I read it. These are the kinds of phrases that describe that crowd, that angry mob <laughs> that were depicted over there so accurately. Well done. It says things about them like they were stirred up, they were provoked, they rushed together, they, they were seeking to kill, they were in confusion, some were shouting one thing, some were shouting another, there was uproar, the violence of the mob it talks about, they kept on following and kept on following um, and they were shouting away with him, kill him, that kind of stuff. There's some very emotive language, isn't there? Lots of emotive language in a short few verses, less than 10 verses, all about that crowd. There's huge energy and there's huge power in the crowd, in the big group of voices. And we can see that many people in this story, they were just swept up into what was happening, weren't they? They were stirred up. Maybe they had their own anger about stuff, their own grievances, and they didn't even really know what this guy Paul had done, but they kind of got caught into um, coming against him and calling for him to be beaten or killed or arrested. And it shows us something. It gives us this glimpse in this story that there can be a spiritual energy, not just a human energy behind crowds, but a spiritual energy in crowds, a demonic energy, an, an unhealthy spiritual energy that energizes a crowd. And it can push people to do things that they would not have done on their own or in their own right mind. And we can see that same story, can't we, being played out in many places, in our news screens, in our newspapers, don't we see it in our society, in societies around the world where crowds of people who come together to, up to um, create an uprising or a demonstration of different, different sorts, you know, sometimes they're for really good causes, they're for just causes, but there are people who get stirred up within the power and the energy of that crowd and they act dangerously and violently or evilly and sometimes you know there are people who end up marching together but they're marching together for many different agendas 
And really what I want us to say, and you've got to listen to me carefully for a moment, people of God, but what I want to say this afternoon is that as followers of Jesus, we need to be really careful of crowds that are marching to the world's agendas. Because I'm not saying that every world agenda is bad or evil. In fact, many are good and there are many very just causes that people come together around. And I'm not saying either that Christians should never go on protest marches or demonstrations or those kinds of things. I think the Holy Spirit does lead us to do those things at different times. But what I am saying is let's not be ignorant of the spiritual dynamics of crowds the madness of crowds, if you like. Don't be ignorant of that. Let's not think that we are above just getting stirred up and influenced by the spirit of a crowd, by the energy of a crowd of voices. Do you know, because we all of us, we all of us have our weaknesses and we all of us find that our flesh can rise up and be stirred up in different ways by these experiences. But it is not the way of Jesus to let the flesh just rise up and spill out in these kinds of ways, unbounded. And as followers of Jesus, we are more often called to march against the crowd, to go against the flow, to swim upstream, if you like, to swim against the tide, to stand out from the crowd in some way, to show a different kind of way, the Jesus kind of way, not get caught up in the crowd of voices where our voice for Jesus often just gets lost or even worse, it gets hijacked by some other agenda and becomes something that Jesus would never ever say or stand for. And we are called to be different, aren't we? And we're called to live in a different way, to talk a different language, to release a different kind of spirit. And I just want us to think for a moment, you know, if Twitter or if social media or whatever it is, wherever we hear those, those powerful voices, if that just causes us to be just another angry voice, or if it stirs up our flesh so that we lose our peace, you know, reading those things and getting involved with them, engaging with them, then we need to just recognize it. And if necessary, step away. And disengage from it. Because, do you know, I want to say to us, we might be letting the enemy in to oppress our lives or even to oppress other people through us when we didn't set out for that. We didn't mean it to be the way. That's what happened with this crowd in this story and the people engaging there. And you know what? It matters. These things matter. I want to close by saying this. They matter because one day... It might well be that the enemy of all of your ideals and all the things that you really believe in, the enemy of all of that stuff, one day they may come before you and they might sit down and say to you that they need your help to find a better path, to find a different way. And you know, when that happens, I don't know about you, but I really want there to be something that wells up from within my life that is words that are full of the Holy Spirit, full of life, full of love, words that point to Jesus, not just a bunch of stuff that comes up that I was putting on social media yesterday or that I've been ranting about with my friends or that I've been venting about in the crowded spaces. I don't want that to be what wells up on the day that my enemy of all my ideals and all the stuff I feel passionately about sits down and says, maybe you can point me in a better direction. Just like Saul did with Ananias 
all those years ago, just like the young man that I ended up being able to pray with at that conference who wanted to know the true work of the Spirit in his life after he'd been so hurt and angry in the past. And I don't know where it is this afternoon that Jesus is nudging you to kind of stand out from the crowd today or to swim upstream like those salmon. It's going to take some energy. It's going to take some encouragement from the Holy Spirit, isn't it? But where is he nudging you to stand out from the crowd, to swim against the tide? I know there'll be somewhere because I know that following Jesus always brings us into those situations at the end of the day. It's part of our calling. It's part of our anointing. It's part of who we are. So I'm going to pray for us and let's receive his help so that we can fulfill it, so we can swim in the right direction. So let's just pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you would stir us up by your spirit and remind us of our testimonies. I want to pray, Lord, that you would soften us and heal us and give us grace where perhaps we've been misunderstood. And Lord, I want to pray that you would empower us and strengthen us and give us courage to swim against the tide in the areas where the crowds are all saying something different. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be your people in the midst of all of that. In your name. Amen.